history is, revolves around Jesus. It says that the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. The creator of the universe stepped down on earth in a time and place to have you and me. He knew you would sit here. He is the Alpha and Omega, just in reverence. How long has it been since you bowed? Maybe you need to bow to the King of Glory. Maybe where you're at. Maybe you need to stand and lift your hands. Maybe you just need to sit there and close your eyes and let it be sung over you. You know that God is singing over you. With whatever you came in here with today, God is singing over you. He's singing redemption. He's singing salvation. He is singing hope. There is hope. Today gives us hope. He is the author and perfecter. Let's just sing it again. Just close your eyes if you want to hear it or sing it or bow, whatever you need to do. step down from eternity from heaven and step into our mess to know what it is to be hungry to know what it is to even to have lost a loved one you experienced all that you stepped down from your earthly throne stripped away all the rights and privileges you had to be one of us fully God fully man walking on this earth the perfect sacrifice knowing tears knowing heartache knowing hunger knowing the pressures of life and you came for us you did it for us we bless you Jesus we bless you Holy One of Israel we bless you Father we bless your name we thank you for the cross we thank you for the resurrection Jesus you're alive you're alive you're the risen king who sits at the majesty the right hand of majesty You are glorious and powerful and all honor, glory, and praise belongs to you and you alone. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. If you came in today and there's no hope, he is risen. He is risen. We serve a risen king. He is risen. He is risen indeed. That's right. That's right. I want to tell you one of the greatest statements that was ever made in history. There's been many things that Jesus has said, 
but nothing was more profound than on his last moments on the cross, he yelled a word. And in Greek, the word is tetelestai. Tetelestai, it means it is finished. It is finished. And in John 19, we see Jesus' last moments. Starting in verse 28, I'll just read it to you. Later, knowing that everything had now been finished, and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. A jar of wine vinegar was there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put the sponge on a stalk of hyssop plant, and lifted it to Jesus' lips. When he had received the drink, Jesus said to Telestai, it is finished. With that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. So what is finished? What is finished? First and foremost, the wrath of God towards those who believe. See, no one likes that word wrath, right? But it is a word that we have to come face to face with. And when we do, we can really see the beauty of what Jesus did. You see, in the Old Testament, God's future wrath towards sin and wickedness is often referred to as the cup of wrath. Jesus, when he is praying in the Garden of Gethsemane before the cross, remember he asked God, let this cup pass from him? This cup is the cup of wrath that Jesus drank down on the cross for our sin and proclaimed to Telestai. Jesus is saying, it is finished. I finished it. I drank it down. I drank it in. It is finished. When Jesus went to the cross, he went to drink down the cup that the sin of the world had been filling since the time of Adam and Eve. But that cup is empty now. That's what Tetelestai means. It means it's finished. God has spent all of his wrath on Jesus he poured out every ounce of it onto Jesus' shoulders. Sin is forever defeated and the power of death is broken. See, Jesus left no unfinished business behind on the cross. To sell us die. It's a legal term for a purchase that merchants would use a stamp in the old days and it meant paid in full. They would stamp it paid in full to tell us die. But what was the object, object he wanted? That needed to be paid in full. You, you, it's you. You've been purchased for relationship. If you'll accept the free gift of salvation, you've been purchased to be brought into God's family. Listen, I was six years old when I gave my life to Christ and I knew it. The spirit of God was just all over me. I knew it's what I had to do. And in that moment, I became adopted by the king. I became a son forever. And many of you can relate to that. The day when you became a son, the day you became a daughter and you realized it was about love and he wanted you. See, Jesus was always calling him Abba. Abba means daddy or papa, except one time. On the cross, when the wrath was being poured out, he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? It was the first time that Jesus didn't call him Abba or father. Because in that moment, the father turned his back on the son so he could turn towards you and call you son and call you a daughter and that we could say, Abba, adopted by the king. You see, we hear, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. 
But many of you have never personalized that. He died for you. Every pounding blow, every whip was for you. But maybe you haven't thought about this. You deserved those nails and that whip. It was for your sin that Jesus did that. You deserve wrath. I deserve wrath. You have a debt of sin, and there was a penalty for the debt of sin. You see, tetelestai also means that he paid a debt. They would also pay debt off in the merchants, and that debt could be forgiven. The Bible describes debt as shackles. He paid my debt so I could be forgiven. And our sins left us with a debt you can never pay. You see, from the earliest parts of the Bible, it was understood that God could not forgive without sacrifice. But when you forgive something or someone, that means you absorb the loss and the debt. You bear it yourself. All forgiveness then is costly. God's grace and forgiveness, while free to us, was costly to Jesus and to the Father. Jesus absorbed every one of your sins so that you could be forgiven. From the deepest, darkest sins to the smallest of lies to the most grievous of sexual sins so that you could be forgiven and declared not guilty because your penalty and guilt were put on Jesus. A merchant would say to Telestai for a payment of debt, the debt has been paid. Your debt has been paid in full by paying our sin debt on the cross. Colossians 2, 13 through 15 says, God has made us alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us and its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. It is finished, but it came at a cost. God's grace and forgiveness while free to the recipient, us, are always costly for the giver. It was costly for Jesus, his blood. See, you know the value of something? by what someone is willing to pay for it. You know your value by what the Father paid to have you. What do you think the Father would pay for you right now? You, not the person next to you, you. He paid the most valuable thing he had, the blood of Jesus. God would pay the most priceless thing he had to have you, his son. He purchased you. The cost has been paid in full. All you have to do is believe, accept it, and receive it. You are worth that. He died just for you. He turned his back on Jesus so he could turn to you and look full into your eyes. I love the old hymn that says, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full into his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. I love that. He loved you. He saw you. He wants you. But you say, I'm flawed. I'm flawed. You don't know my heart. It's dark in there. I'm flawed. But this is what it is. The gospel is that I am so flawed that Jesus had to die for me. Yet I'm so loved and valued that Jesus was glad to die for me. Your debt has been paid. You have been forgiven. It is finished. The wrath of God satisfied. Jesus drank it down and took the righteous wrath of God for a penalty of our sins. See, it's a legal matter. It was a legal matter that was settled. God's justice. 
And this is kind of a crazy phrase, but hear this. This is so important for us to wrap our minds around. You see, in God's justice, God was just to transfer the wrath we deserved onto his son and declare us not guilty. It's the word justification. Justification is more than having our sins forgiven. It means that in God's eyes, we are given Jesus' perfect record. We are treated as if we had lived a perfect life that Jesus lived. We are given the love that Jesus deserved. We have the same access to the Father that Jesus has. It's called grace and mercy, and we find it at the cross. Do we deserve it? No, but that's why grace is so amazing. See, grace is getting something I don't deserve. And mercy is not getting something I deserve. In other words, I got Jesus. I got his righteousness. I got salvation. I didn't deserve it. That's grace. But the wrath I should have got, it is mercy. He put it on Jesus. He got the wrath I deserved. That's mercy. That's mercy. See, the gospel is called good news. The good news is that all of this comes not from us doing anything, but simply by faith in what Jesus did on the cross. You see, faith is receiving and resting upon Jesus alone. Jesus alone. Jesus alone for our salvation. But see, the problem is, is that in life, we depend on ourselves. We earn it, right? You get a paycheck, you earn it. And when it comes to God, we think we have to be good enough. We weigh our sins and our goodness to try to determine if we are worthy or not worthy of his love. Our culture teaches us that we are only accepted when we're good. Maybe you were told that as a kid. Maybe now you still feel that. That we're accepted and loved only when we perform a certain way. So you better get on with it. You better get moving. God's watching. He's angry. That's not the gospel. That's not the gospel. Maybe you have the idea that you can be good enough to earn God's love or earn the right to be in heaven. You may be thinking, I'm a good person. I respect what Jesus did on the cross. I try to live a moral life. I barely make mistakes. And and when I made some big ones, I kind of changed. I have some minor addictions, but I'm in control. I think I'm good enough for heaven. I think I'm good enough for Jesus. You see, this is what trying to be good enough is like. Let's say we're all going for a swim. And we start off on a beach in California. And Ariel, I don't know if you're still in California. But this one's for you. But we're on the beach in California, and we're going to swim to Hawaii. Anybody in? Backstroke? Butterfly? With me? So we all get in the water, well-intentioned to swim to Hawaii. And along the way, folks are dropping out like flies. And you look back and think, well, I'm doing pretty good. I mean, I'm not as far ahead as Mother Teresa is, but I'm not as, you know, as bad as Hitler. So I'm doing it. I'm swimming. I've got my backstroke on. But suddenly, more and more people are dropping out. And you start to realize no one makes it. Now, don't get me wrong. Compared to everyone else, you haven't got, you know, you're further along. You're not doing too bad. But compared to the destination, you haven't gone anywhere. Compared to the destination, you haven't gone anywhere. And it's dawning on you. The result is the same for everyone that's swimming. Drowning. 
drowning. Because no matter how good you swim, you aren't good enough to make the trip on your own. It's too far. It's too hard. You aren't good enough. And you've gone too far to get back to shore. California is not in view. And the reality is drowning. And we need a rescue. We need a savior. A savior who never sinned. I don't care how good you are. You can't get from earth to heaven on your own. It's too far. Sin is a penalty that you can't pay. It results in drowning. See, Jesus, though, succeeded where we failed. He swam all the way to a hill called Calvary. In Isaiah 55, 53, 5, it says this, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. See, you can't be good enough to earn God's love. You can't earn heaven. Isaiah 64, 6 says, all of us have become like one who is unclean. All of us, everyone, all of us have become unclean. And all our righteous acts, in other words, our good works, are like filthy rags. We all shrivel up like a leaf. And like the wind, our, sw- our sins sweep us away. Romans 3 declares, there is no one righteous, not even one. No one good, not even one good person. And then we really hear it. The Bible declares that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. His standard is perfection. He is perfect. You see, according to the Bible, short of perfection, there really is no one good enough. And few of us would claim to be perfect in here. So like everyone else, you need a savior. Like everyone else, we need to depend on Jesus, what he's done for us, something we can never or will be able ever to do for ourselves. See, if we could save ourselves by being good enough, what would have been the point of Jesus' sacrifice? He is enough. But do you believe he's enough? It's not grace plus good works. It's not Jesus plus anything else. It's Christ alone. In Christ alone. Don't trust yourself in your goodness for salvation. Instead, trust Jesus and his perfection. For he alone is God's way of salvation. When you accept the free gift of salvation, you can know you'll be with him in heaven forever. The gospel is good news, not a good suggestion for good people. It's for people who know they need a savior. It's for people who know they are dead in their sins. He didn't come for good people. He came for dead people to bring them back to life. That is what the resurrection is all about. You see, God doesn't send good people to hell. There is no such thing as a good person. God's standard is perfection, but God's solution is pardon. Man, I love that word pardon. That is an amazing word. See, the cross is not just some distant past thing. You may never have thought of this. It's not just something that happened in the past. You were there because your sins nailed Jesus to the cross. But now we must go back to the cross to find redemption, to find pardon for our sin. Let that word sink in, pardon. Jesus has already paid the price for our sin. Jesus is the perfect sacrifice. He offers you a pardon today, a release from sin. 
Think of it this way. If a criminal were handed a pardon that would release him from prison, the issue is no longer the crime, but rather what he will do about the pardon. If he refuses, what happens to him? He remains in prison. The questions, why is he imprisoned and why is he not out of prison, have two different answers. He's in prison because he's a convicted criminal. He is not out of prison because he refused the pardon. Likewise, the answer to the question, why will a person be in hell, is not because he's a sinner. Let me answer that question by asking another question. Why will he not be in heaven? He will not be in heaven because he has not accepted the pardon offered in Christ. But there's good news. God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to himself, not counting man's sin against him, offering pardon. Jesus is a savior that offers you pardon. He paid the price, not you. Come out of darkness. No sin is greater than the blood of Jesus. Let me say it again. Let me say it again. Because many of you came in here and you haven't been to church in a while and there's no guilt in that. But many of you didn't come because you think that God doesn't think you're worthy. Many of you come because what would you want with trash like me? Some of you said that. Some of you thought that. But let me tell you, there is no sin greater than the blood of Jesus. It is finished. There's an old hymn that I love. It says, pardon for sinners. Pardon for sinners and Peace that endureth. Do you have a peace that endureth? Maybe you don't have the peace because you don't have the pardon. And maybe you're a believer and you forgot about the pardon and you still don't have peace. Maybe some of you today need to accept a pardon. Come out of prison. Come out of darkness. Come out of the grave. Go running out of the grave. Go to Jesus alone. It's in Christ alone. He alone is the way, the truth, and the life. Repent and trust in the finished work of Christ. Repent of arrogance and pride. Come away from the burden of carrying your sin. Some of you are so burdened with your sin and guilt and condemnation, you need to release it to Jesus. That's the only way. It's not get your stuff better and in order. It's come to Jesus, run to Jesus, get at his feet. Because he paid the price to have you. Today, if you don't know Jesus, he came to give you eternal life. You need his life in you. Come receive his pardon. Do you know him? Salvation is a free gift. You just have to take the gift. That's it. By believing in him this morning, you don't have to earn it. It was paid in full. It was stamped. The debt has been paid. The pardon has been provided. If that's you this morning, you've never accepted Christ. For the first time today, I want to just pray a prayer and lead you. There's nothing magical about the prayer, but just a prayer to God to say, for the first time, I need to accept you, Lord. I'm done carrying the weight of sin. I need the pardon. I want the release from prison. So if every eye would be closed, every head bowed with me, every eye closed, every head bowed, just repeat this after me. You don't have to repeat it out loud. You can repeat it to yourself. But as I pray this, may this be the time of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Don't wait. Give your life to Jesus. Pray this with me. Dear Father, 
Thank you for the cross and for Jesus. Thank you for your love. Forgive all my sins. I accept your pardon. Save me. Give me new life. Fill me with Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could put up the slide of resurrection. See what's beautiful? He didn't stay on that cross. You know what's beautiful? He didn't stay in that grave. He is risen. To Telestai was also, I love this because I didn't know this, but the same word Jesus used on the cross, Roman soldiers would use when they had a victory in war. They would say, To Telestai. Can you hear Jesus saying it over the devil? It's finished, devil. You've got no hold on this world or on people anymore. Freedom. It was a war cry of victory by the soldiers. He paid in full your victory over flesh, sin, and the devil. He purchased you for victory to live a resurrected life, to testify of a risen king. If you're a believer, you've been called to freedom. You may not be walking in it, but he has freedom for you and peace. Jesus defanged death and the devil at the cross. He rose from the grave. He has risen to tell a sty. I want you to listen to this song, meditate on it, what God is saying to you.
ground are you on? Because if you're on anything other than the solid rock who is Jesus Christ, it is sinking sand. You see, there is a judgment coming. And it says that every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And you have the moment from when you were born to the time that you die to make the decision to follow Christ, to believe to know him, to chase after him and accept what he did, accept the pardon. Don't leave without doing that today. In a second, we're gonna take communion and I'm gonna be standing right here and we have people, if you look to my left, if you look right over there at Next Steps, Tim, Joni and Jen are back there and they wanna pray with you. If you need to receive Christ, if you have anything you need prayer for, please come up to me, please go back to them. Anytime that we're doing worship, as we're doing communion, Man, I know there's hurts in here. Listen, you get a, a group full of people like this, life bears us down. Sin bears us down. Jesus wants to release the captives. It said the spirit of the Lord was on him, anointed him to preach good news, to set captives free. That's what Jesus does. He sets captives free. I don't, Jesus does. Come to Jesus. And see, as we do communion, as we do communion, the Lord's Supper Sometimes we call the communion table or the Lord's Supper, Supper a table. And if you look to my left, there's one right here. There's one sort of in the middle and one to the right. And then there's two in the back near the exits. I feel like a flight attendant. <laughs> and so as we do communion, come up. And part of what we're going to do with communion is you'll take a piece of, of the bread and you'll dip it in the cup. Don't drink from the cup, okay? Dip it in the cup as we do communion, all right? Here's the deal about this. This is a table of victory. It's a table of tetelestai. When we do communion and we remember, it's to help us and find grace in our time of need. And many of you need grace. That's when I come to this table. That's what I remember. Because none of us are worthy for communion. None of us are worthy for the table. But we have Jesus welcome to his table. It's called grace. So as we get ready and we sing this song, come up when you're ready. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to do the communion. Let me pray in a second. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he took bread, and he broke it. He said, this is my body, broken just for you. Eat. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup. He said, this is the cup, the blood of of the new covenant that washes away the sin of the world. When you do this, remember me. 
Remember what I did for you. Remember the cross. Remember my resurrection. And he's a risen king to tell us thy victory. Victory in Jesus' name. So as we sing this, please come up. If you have a burden, anything, I'm ready to pray for you. I'll be right over here. You may want to bow before you come up. You may want to pray. But remember, this is a table of grace. This is a table to receive victory. You don't have to be victorious before you come to it. You're simply accepting surrender that Jesus is the one. There'll be people at the stations to help serve you. So come when you're ready.